0: Um if I have been giving money uh, to support um God's work in the church or elsewhere um with the remaining money that I have is it okay for me to spend it on things that I don't need but nice things like a nice gadget or a new handphone or a new laptop that I don't need or should I think of how to use that money to support other ministries like support a child somewhere or yeah is it
1: Okay, okay. Uh, I have three rules I can give you for this. No, no, I don't. I'm only kidding. Um, the, it is the perennial problem, isn't, isn't it? That is, uh, can I give more than I give? Yes. Uh, if I give more, can I then give more again? Yes. Uh, there's never any end to the giving. Um, the, I think the way you think about your money, you've got to do it relationally. That is, you think about the relationship you have with God, His grace and generosity towards you and His Son, uh, the way He has given you a good world to enjoy and He expects you to enjoy it, and He also wants you to be generous. Okay, now, where are the rules for that? Actually, as New Testament believers, there aren't any rules. Uh, so we, we want to enjoy the good things God gives us we 've come away to the uh, the grand hotel empire it 's grand uh, you know, why didn 't we give this money to the poor? Good question do you know what i mean like it 's one of those issues of course we could have, but uh, it 's not wrong to come away and enjoy a weekend together and to appreciate that so um, I think the principles are. With my family, I don't work out sort of rules in relation to money. I work out relationships with them, let the money serve the relationships. I want my money to serve my relationship with the Lord Jesus. I uh, want to enjoy what, he's, what God has given me in his world. I want to be as generous as I possibly can. Uh, and then you, you keep working it as you go along. I think one of the worst things in the world is when Christians are caught up in knots over the issue of money. Because it's it's just not central. It's meant to serve central things, not be the thing that occupies the centre of our lives. And that's the danger, that in your desire not to be greedy, uh, you become fixated with being generous. And you don't want to be either. You want to be fixated with uh, the Lord Jesus and his grace towards us in his son and let that work itself out with your money so I haven't told you really the answer your question uh, and it's because I can't really uh, I mean I can talk to you about the way I try and work it out do I take holidays no I always give it to poor children in third world countries no I don't yeah, I go on holidays uh, you know what I mean it's uh, it, it's trying to trying to just just work it out but with a heart's desire that your life will keep reflecting God's grace so do I try and do gracious things with my money that are unnecessary towards other people yeah I do. Um, you know, we have uh, staff who have just had twins, right? Children five and six. Right? They had four children. and They had twins, and so we we uh, went out and bought them some uh, movie dinner deals. You know, we then go out for a meal and go to a movie, and we offered to babysit for their kids. Uh, you know, is that necessary? No. You just want to spoil them. You know, that's a good thing to do. It's good to be generous in every area of your life, isn't it? And not to get caught up in. Knots, And it's a terrible thing when Christians get caught up in mean or okay? uh, You know, sort of mean with their money. And uh, it's, it's a horrible thing. So I think just trying to we had generosity in every area of our lives. Our money, the way we give ourselves, the way we give the gospel away to other people.
0: Mm. Anyone else? Uh, I just want to bring uh, your attention and perhaps the others' attention up because... Uh, we didn't read this part uh, in just now, uh, perhaps you want to open your Bible with me in the Malachi, in the Malachi um, chapter 3, verse 6, okay, I may read it now, um, it's robbing That I the Lord do not change, so you descendants of Jacob are not destroyed. Else since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you in tithes and offerings? You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithes into my storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruits, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Um, so, um, because, uh, yes, I, I heard just now because um. uh does the tithe still apply to us? Because uh, in this, even in this book, uh, it talks about the day of judgment and the day of the Lord, which are yet to come. So does the tithe still apply for us? Because I grow in a church where <laughs> we, we still tithe. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like uh, each family has their own unbelievable tidings. We tithe every month, yeah. Uh, apart from offerings. Okay.
1: Um, let me say that in Christian circles, there'll be people who disagree on this matter of whether you should or you shouldn't tithe. Okay. So um, I want to acknowledge that and sincere, believing Christians who will disagree on this. My own understanding is that as I read the sweep of what God says in His Word, the Old Testament finds its fulfillment in Christ. Right? So uh, I think I, I took you to a couple of spots where I talked about. Um, Paul, for example, not seeing himself as bound by the law of Moses. This, this is the law of Moses to do a tithing uh, because it's found as fulfilment in the Lord Jesus Christ. So in the New Testament, uh, believers aren't urged to tithe. They're urged to be generous. And my assumption is that generosity will work itself out in a, uh, a greater giving than tithing does. You see, So uh, I think that the tithing has been fulfilled in Christ. And therefore, we are called upon to be to be generous. We're free from. It's a bit like we don't uh, still go after the Jerusalem Temple, right? the, uh, We don't think we need to do that anymore. We don't think God dwells in buildings. Um, it's been fulfilled in His Son. You see, that's that sort of that sort of idea of uh, what's called biblical theology and the way it unfolds. It's a, it's a larger than I can answer in a couple of minutes sort of topic. So my own view is. Um, uh, the whole idea of tithing has been fulfilled in Christ, which means we are called upon to be generous. That is, we understand the grace of the gospel in our lives and work out that grace in practice. Uh, does that mean we don't have, uh, have to give more? Well, no, no, no. We keep working out how we can increasingly be generous in our giving like God has been towards us. Um, so that's my own view. I know there are Christians who disagree, uh, but I, I'm keen for people not to tithe, but to give more than the tithe, you see. So, uh, don't limit yourself to the Old Testament, is what I say. Uh, it, th- that'd be my principle. So, hmm. it's it's a big topic and requires a lot more time than I've given it. So, yeah.
0: Um, how would you respond if um, someone says to you, if you don't give to God, you will never have enough and you will never receive God's blessing?
1: Okay. Um Yep, I think twisting God's arm is always a good thing to do. Uh, that'd be the sort of response I'd make. That is, um, the, the whole point of those passages where God talks about the fact that he will uh, bless those who honour him, okay, um, is to do with an understanding of his grace, not a manipulation for outcomes. Uh, so you want to be constantly driven by that, that grace. Uh, in terms of your own thinking and your own living. And um, I think that when we come to the... We are surrounded in this world by a lot of people who have, you know, a wealth and health prosperity sort of gospel way of thinking. That is, um, God promises to give us certain things if only we obey him in certain ways. Okay. Now you realise, of course, that's just not Christian. You see, Because that is a works religion. I do certain things, God will do certain things, I get this outcome. Um, God has showered every blessing upon us in his son and we respond to his grace. Can we earn relationship with him? No. Andrew talked about it being by faith in what God has done in his son. And faith is the idea of sticking out your hand and God putting his grace into it. Right? Uh, you don't say, clever me for putting out my hand right, when you get a gift. See, it's all grace. And it's that grace that drives our lives. So that the, um, that idea of uh, if I do certain things, God will do certain things, is actually works-driven. It's all about my performance for God to reward me, which is anti-Christian. Okay? So that would be my short answer to that. Uh, yeah, it's just a wrong way of thinking biblically. I think Andrew had a question too. Did you want to ask about when your, when your wage is going to be doubled? Is that no, it's... <laughs> Sorry, there's no question in here.
0: Anyone else?
1: This so just here, Matt. Just in your rock I was blocked by
0: the speaker. <laughs> <laughs> does, uh, does God want us to be... Um, is he happier for us to be provided for in this world? Does he want us to be... Okay, it's not does he want us to be poor. Does he... Um, would he be happier if we were, like, provided for... Do you know what I'm saying? No, not exactly. Um, <laughs> like, sorry. Yeah, would it? Would he be much happier if we had like the bear? Okay. Yeah. If we we're all like, does he? Yeah. Is he? Does he want us to be poor? Okay. Yes. <laughs> um. Uh,
1: yes. And no. Uh. Next question. No. <laughs> um. <laughs> There are Christians I know who are poor. Uh, You go to third world nations, you'll see there that poverty is the dominant reality for Christians in that situation. Are they uh, rich? Yes. So they are rich because of what they have in the Lord Jesus Christ and those riches dominate their circumstances. Uh, Many um, Christians in the Western world, are uh, materially wealthy, uh, but many of them are poor because they're so dependent upon their wealth it obscures them from seeing the glories of the gospel. What does God want for us? He wants us to understand the riches we have in Christ. That is his goal. Now, will there be rich people in Christ who are also rich in these world's resources? yes. That's clear when you read the the Bible and see the way in which uh, there are various wealthy people God uses. Is God happy for them to be rich? Yes. Uh, uh, are there Christians who are poor in terms of this world's resources um, that God is happy to be poor? Happy is the wrong word. But um, uh, is he the sovereign one who oversees their circumstances? Yes. Okay. So what does God want for any of us to be rich in Christ um, it's a bit like the question of will um, uh, will your faith in Christ stop you dying young, no yesterday morning Sue and I got a phone call from staff members of my church expecting their first child um, and they had a stillbirth yesterday morning Edward, see um, yeah, that, that's a terribly sad situation and um, God doesn't promise that we won't struggle in this world with different things. See, so it's, it's not the primary issue. And then the, the issue of your, your wealth works out from there in different directions, I think. Yeah. I'm not answering any questions, really. I'm trying not to. <laughs> there aren't any black and white answers to this one. So the whole question of guidance on this issue, that's why we wrestle with the issue of money. Because we love to have the black and white answers. You know, Wake up tomorrow morning, what should I give, O oh Lord? You know, 242 ringgits a week. Problem solved. Right? I just give that and I'm fine. You know, it doesn't work that way. There's a, there's a graciousness of God working itself in our lives, and that's the way in which God grows us to maturity in His Son as we work it out in our relationship with Him according to His Word, which is sufficient for us to live in relationship with Him.
0: Any more questions? Any from that that side of the hall?
1: This is a very unquestioning side of the room, very questioning. Uh, Oh, good on you, Ian. Good on you, you, mate. (laughs) It's not unrelated, but uh, you mentioned it this morning and previously. (coughs) The situation is uh, in Malaysia, we have a mosquito called Aedes, or a variation of that, my pronunciation may be unique, but it it carries a a virus uh, which results in dengue fever. Now, I'm told it only takes one mosquito to bite an individual and they may have dengue fever. Best I can tell, I experienced this situation and I was laid out for a month. Now, you've been saying to uh, give God thanks for all things. Uh, I have a bit of difficulty giving thanks to this mosquito. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how would you respond to that situation? Yeah, yeah. thank God for the mosquito. Oh, th- thanks for the warning anyway. And, and do, we have, do we have mosquito nets at your place, Andrew? That's really... Uh, I'm very thankful that you told me about it. <laughs> um, uh, Short answer, read Don Carson's book on the problem of pain. Okay. Um, that's a long answer, actually, but it's a short answer to that question. But uh, uh, in essence, what we have is a world made well by God, a world that is fractured. Uh, so when you go to Romans 8, Romans is a great chapter on this, actually. It talks about the way in which this world is, is out of joint. Right? In fact, it, it actually says God has subjected this world to futility. Isn't that interesting that God himself would subject this world to futility? Um, and I take it from that that God is sovereignly overruling in terms of the mosquitoes carrying dengue fever in this world. That is part of the futility of the struggle, the uh, heartache of living in this world. A bit like I was just saying about my staff member who just had that stillbirth yesterday. Now where do we go from there? Why has God subjected this world of futility? I think it's so that we don't get, we don't make this world our home. And there's one thing the mosquito did for you: was it taught you to to long for heaven, where you won't need a mosquito net? It. Okay, it, is, it you long for God to right this world. Not only a mosquito is or stillbirths, or pain and suffering, or poverty, or all those things. You long for that day when the Lord Jesus Christ will return, where every wrong will be righted, where everything will... And yet, when you go to 2 Peter 3, it says God allows those things in this world to continue. For if he is to end them at any point, and he could, right? Tomorrow he could wipe out the dengue fever-carrying mosquitoes of this world. Uh, But if he was going to correct all the aberrations in this world, that is the day when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. That is the day of judgment. And uh, in the meantime, we're told 2 Peter 3 that he extends the time so that we can get out and get on with evangelism, taking the grace of God into this world. So what I'm saying is your mosquito is all about evangelism. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a... It's become very clear, to you now. If, if I'm not as clear as I should be, just read Don Carson's book is what I'm saying. Uh, but but it is, it's that bigger picture of understanding what is God doing in this world, in my life, right? See, what do I age? Why am I sagging, bagging and balding, you know? Um, uh, it's not a happy situation, let me tell you, you know. I, you look at me now. I used to be young and athletic. You know, I know you don't believe it, but that's true. Uh, but that's part of the product of life, isn't it? Uh, my mother's uh, got an early onset of dementia, right? Uh, She can talk to me about the same thing four times in five minutes. Uh, That's not good. Uh, It's not a big deal from my point of view, but it's frustrating for her. And I've got the same genes. It's worrying for me. (laughs) That is part of the fractured nature of this world, but God is driving it to a different point. He's sovereign and overrules, and yet that is part of what he's overruling with a view to when Jesus returns. It's sort of a big answer, small answer to a big question. Hmm. Don Carson's book is great on this, let me say. (laughs) Okay, I think we will have to stop here. Thank you so much, Paul. Okay, thank you.